Welcome to Kingdom Family Talks with Leif Hetland. We invite you into the conversation and celebration of what God is doing around the world through his sons and daughters. Leif shares insights into what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus in today's culture. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Hello, hello everyone. I am Leif Hetland and welcome to Kingdom Family Talk. And today I have the great honor of having my youngest daughter, Catherine Hetland, with us. So this is going to be a great conversation. Uh, uh, and I look forward for every one of you to get to know my beautiful, beautiful daughter. So Catherine, welcome. Thank you. It's very exciting to be here. And wel- uh, welcome home. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, getting to be home after nine months in Norway, I think, this past time. Uh, back and forth, but it's good to be back the past month. But this is your second second round? My second round, yeah. I was there from 2019 to 2020 um, until March, and then I came back for the summer for a little break and then went back to Norway, doing back and forth a little bit. I just want everyone to know that I'm a very, very proud father, and I was just thinking about it. I was watching her worshiping. She is a worshiper and always been a worshiper, but she was worshiping in church on Sunday. And uh, when I just looked at her worshiping Jesus, I was just, something in me just became alive. And so watching and seeing what God is doing in our kids, we're talking about kingdom family and we talk about a movement. And so many times, you know, about some of the bigger picture and what is taking place out there. And we've We've ministered to millions of people and seen over a million people in the darkest places coming to Jesus. But I think it is very important for us just to be able to connect on a heart-to-heart level. So first of all, one of the questions that came in, and we're going to answer some of those questions, Catherine. How was it How was it to be a daughter of Leif and Jennifer Hetland and growing up in a home? And, and what kind of influence? Because I know there's some both good, bad, and ugly, but... Uh, but first of all, how how was that, and how has that impacted your life? Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, this past season, I've ever like I've actually gotten more opportunity just to think through that and really be grateful for what I had. Uh, having different friends who maybe they just got saved in their twenties, and I remembered thinking like I've never known a time where I didn't know of Jesus. Like I've never had that in my life, um, and. You know, having these things where I just look back and I'm like, I was 14 doing prophetic workshops. You know, that's so weird. That's not a normal thing. And I thought it was so normal. Um, And I remember like when we were five and six, like we would have Heidi Baker or we would have Randy Clark or we would have these different people come to our church at the time. And, you know, the thing was like, who of us got to start speaking in tongues first? Like when we were like five and six and seven, that was one of the challenges with some of the like PKs, like pastors kids or <laughs> ministry kids. We were all like, oh, well, I started speaking in tongues over here. And and honestly, like that's such a funny but like odd thing to think about is just that we had access to that so young, that we had access to this thing that we, like some people are just now getting an invitation into. And so that's part of even... I think the thing that's made it even more heavy on my heart is I want people to get access to that as soon as possible. So, um, but yeah, growing up with our, with my parents, um, hello everyone. Yeah. Just, uh, an insight for you is I think it was, I didn't understand fully the weight of it when I was younger. I don't think, um, all I kind of knew was like, oh, my dad's gone. 
You know, he's gone for however many days, 180 days, 200 days out of the year. And whenever he would come home, we would have our daddy-daughter dates. He was always very, like, intentional to try to, okay, well, let's make up for lost time. Um, but I didn't. I don't think I really understood the weight of it, which was good and bad in some ways. Um, I think for me, I just, I didn't understand. I'm like, God, you could have picked anybody else except for my dad. <laughs> like, I could have had a normal childhood. I could have had, you know, just a little bit more normalcy, which uh, as a young person, I think that's kind of understandable. Um, you think a little more selfishly then, but uh, I remember even thinking my mom would get these calls of my dad being in a very dangerous situation and she wouldn't tell us. So I didn't know until much later, actually the intensity of the moment, like, oh, your dad just called. He was just a little worried about something. It's all fine. But then come to find out it was actually like a bombing happening just a couple of miles down the road. And he just wouldn't tell, they wouldn't tell us because they wanted to protect us. Um, it's very, I think it's very sweet. And I, I don't understand because I am not a mother. I'm nowhere close to that yet. But um, to know, like, how would you actually like navigate that. And I, I mean, that's honestly a question I have, but like how you navigate your children kind of not knowing, but knowing a little bit, but, um, so it was good. And then I remember in my teen years, I was a little upset actually about it. Um, I remember being a little frustrated at times regarding this whole thing, like my dad being taken away in a way is what it felt like. Um, but then I felt, cause I was really fighting on my own, like with my relationship with God. And so I remember at one point, like not on my own, my, my mom was there and my dad was there, but I remembered as talking to God one time of just like how important it was that I needed to fight for that connection with my father. Um, cause I knew it was such a devil thing really like to try to like separate the connection between a father and a daughter. And that was when I was like 16 or 17. And I remember I was just like, we are not going to not be connected. So that was when we kind of started uh, back like with just being very intentional and and he always had been. But I remember I was like, okay, I need to let go of this, this frustration because actually I started to see it in a different way. And as I got to travel with him more to different places, I got to understand a little bit more of what he actually was doing in the world. Um, and I think that was such a privilege. But that, that's honestly a question I have for you though, Dad. Like, What was that like for you and mom to try to navigate with you going into dangerous places, like how did you decide how much information to share, how much not to share with us? I think it was, uh, <clears throat> I don't think something you do, did intentional. I think I tried to protect as much as possible and 90% of the things I never said. I remember one time when 500 guys showed over machine guns and they're heading towards us. And this is before, I mean, I, the only thing I had was a satellite phone. So I was trying with this Motorola get the antenna up, standing in the courtyard outside a hotel. And then I think it was Frida, who's now was Frida Taylor, uh, married to Papa Jack, uh, because she was my secretary at the time. And I'm calling and tried to call mom, and I think she was out cutting the lawn. And all I'm saying, hey, just to tell her to not worry, but I have about 500 guys with machine guns. They're coming to kill me, but I'm going to try to get out of the country. It's going to be okay. I learned a lot of wisdom of what not to say. Yeah. So, and I couldn't get hold of her because now I'm just trying to smuggle and get myself out of the country uh, as soon as possible. 
but I, I thought to, to throw the ball over, I just thought about Josh Clark, who is a good friend, of course, Randy Clark's oldest son. Yeah. He, he said something, and I was going to throw that ball over to you, that really touched me and it just came to my mind. But he said, many times people like myself or maybe Randy Clark and other ones are my friends, uh, we are known for, it's kind of here's the father of faiths in the sense of here's what you are doing. And it's Abraham taking the Isaac. But Josh Clark said a lot of us, we're celebrating the Abraham that are putting the children at the altar of ministry. But what does that child feel like at that moment? And I just thought about that even for, it hit me because you didn't realize sometimes people are talking about the prices, the scars I have on my body and the PTSDs and all the things that I've gone through, but also realizing that my own kids, the price. So you guys get certain benefits of being our children, but on the other side, there's a price to realizing that the door is an offer. Have you seen that? And I know you are the youngest, but what would be some of the price then? I don't know, me being gone would be one thing, and but there's been a cost and you guys have paid a cost and I wanted to honor you for paying that price because if, if you didn't, then uh, it, it wouldn't have the same reward. So you have stocks and the same thing. So it's not just the one is going, but that was very powerful. The picture came to my mind. Yeah, I think like, uh, because I remember whenever we first got to meet like the Clark kids, <laughs> it just was so like, it almost was as if we just grew up together, but in different houses in a way. And I've noticed that that happens with some of the, like your, I would just call them like speaker friends, because I don't know how else to title that. But um, like with the kids, like the PKs, the MKs, like pastor's kids, ministry kids, or missions kids, um, it almost feels like we all grew up in the same house, just in different cities. Because it's like, we all have this understanding and this like... I don't know. Like I remember meeting one uh, person's kid and it was like we watched the same random like movies that no one had heard of because of the way that we were. It just is so interesting, the little things that God connects us with. And and it also is we kind of all have the same look when we look in each other's eyes. We kind of see like, oh, there was a lot of not fun in this. There was a lot of hard things. And I have seen the people who... um, you know, have seen the hard things or as mom would always say, like you guys have seen the underbelly of ministry of like the, you've seen the ugly sides. And so my question is, how do you maintain a pure heart when you, because a lot of PKs or MKs, meaning pastors, kids, ministry kids, a lot of them, they are, uh, they ending up in rebellion. And we, we know there's quite a few YouTube channels just full of kids, a well-known minister out there demonstrating against ministry and, and God as a result of it. So how did you, or what are some of the keys that you, you what, what do you think that some people are receiving it and other ones in the next moment I want to reject? Yeah, I think um, for me, it was just a matter of, because I, I know of those people who have just gone and they weren't able to find their way back. They were too hurt by something that like a youth pastor said or something that, you know, there's so much tension in that. And um, for me, it was really just like, I remember I I felt like I had to find my own story. You know, I felt like I, I was talking to one of your friends and we were just talking about like with speakers, kids, like you guys have prepared the way, you know, like you guys really have set the the standard and you, like you've done all this work so we didn't have to. Like, oh, like it's such a gift, and why don't we understand that? Like, and I was just like, yeah, I don't know, actually. I I think for me, like, I grew up and I thought, 
um, cause I had so much access to these different things. And, um, and for me, it was all like, it was partially like, I don't think there's an, a better option. You know, I had a season of questioning where I was like, okay, if I wasn't a Christian, if I wasn't a follower of Jesus, who would I be? And who would I, like, what would my belief of like what a person should be like be? And I thought I would still want to do good and I would still want to love people. And I was like, even if, and this is not at all what I think now, but even if all of it was null and void, that that was worth it for me. I'm like, actually, you know what? This is the best option. Like, this is truly the best option for me. And, um, but I do know, like this thing for me, I had to kind of, I would look at people and I'm like, oh, they had the light switch moment. You know, they were in the darkness. They were doing drugs. They almost got killed. They, you know, and then God saved them. And then the light switched on. And I remember thinking like, oh, I want to feel that light switch moment myself. So, you know, I, I had my own version of rebellion or my own version of questioning or my own version of whatever. And uh, for me to try to figure that out on my own and, you know, some people might be like, why would you do that? But for me, I, I don't know. Truthfully, I don't know, but I'm so glad I did because I have a greater appreciation for what's happened now. And um, and it was hard. Of course it was hard. Uh, and it's something you have to fight for. But for me, going back to what it says in the Bible of like, uh, and the just the truth that is that God created us for relationship, for connection. And if, yeah, I don't know. It's just that thing of to follow that truth, to say like, I'm not going to let the devil like come in and pervert that truth in a way. Um, yeah, I don't know if that makes sense, but that's a little bit of it. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, I want to. I'm interested also because of your age. You have chosen. I mean, I, I know so many people at 24, 25, that age group. But if you're saying from 20 to some 30, they're trying to find themselves. And then we're living now in a post-Christian culture. And you have a whole, and you made some choices right now. You moved back to Norway. You didn't know the language or the culture, the country that was you were born. And then you chose to go with YWAM, youth with a mission. And, uh, and I thought it was, because I, I have not tried to get anybody into ministry. Uh, I think maybe the opposite encouraged go and find a skill set or university or do something. And if God calls you, please do it. But if not, because I, I know the side of that, you, you don't try to do something that you're not called to do. So my question is, what is some of your journey there? And then I'm interested to hear a little bit about, because that was a surprise for me when you went to India and Nepal. And then I heard your leaders coming back and saying, wow, Catherine just thrived. It's almost like when you a fish in water, an eagle in the sky, when you got into some of the darkest places, something in, in you became alive, they told. So I'm interested in a little bit about that part of you. So two questions. One has to do your age group. How do you find your sweet spot? And why would you choose mission and go the direction you're going? And follow how do you, how are you an authentic follower of Jesus in the middle of everything that's going on? And second of all, share us a little bit about India and Nepal and, and and the mission virus that you have in you today. I think one of the things that helped me so much was I had a young adults pastor um, when I was around nineteen, uh, and he had asked one of the men he was interviewing, and he said like, "What do you wish you would have known when you were twenty? Now that you're 30? And the guy said, like, I wish I would have learned to listen to my heart rather than my head. And I, it hit me so hard that night because I was in a, I'm a major planner. For those of you who don't know me, I'm a big fan of planning my life away. And I had planned, like, okay, I'll go to university. I'll study interior design. Um, my 
Italian architect husband will find me. It'll be great. Like life will be perfect. That's it. That's the story. And um, don't worry, I'm not so uh, close-minded now. But uh, I remembered hearing that and I was like, oh, but you're supposed to have everything figured out by the time you're 22, I thought. I thought you were supposed to have everything done, structured. And that was honestly not much of what my parents said. You know, when I was graduating high school, they're like, take your time. You figure things out. Do you want to do, do you want to pursue leading worship? Do you want to pursue interior design? You have the choice. You know, they were very supportive in that way. But um, for me, I was like, oh no, but this is still what the the world expects of me. Um, And so when I heard that, I was like, how the heck are you supposed to listen to your heart rather than your head? And I asked him, and so we had this conversation basically, but um, I think even he said something along the lines of like, the 20s are your time to like really experiment, try things out, and not in the like, oh, party and college, that type of thing. That's not why he was meaning as much as he was just saying like, if you feel called to this, if you feel called to this, this is your time trial and error. Like if you do this well and you you know, really hone in on this time of trying things out that, you know, maybe when you're 30, you're not going to regret, you know, like that you didn't listen to your heart the whole time. Um, so for me, I think I, it's been really hard. Like I, I've felt very challenged and I did go to school for a little bit and I did go to different ministry schools and you guys, um, supported me a lot and, um, a little insight on my dad. Like he is one of the most loving, um, like affectionate people and he is so open-minded about everything. And, um, and you'll see that you see that whenever you see him speak and you see him interact with people, but he has this other side of him. Whenever he is passionate about someone he loves, he's like, I will not let you settle. So you've got to get it together. Like I'm not letting you settle for anything less than what you deserve. And, um, and it's really good, but it's hard at times uh, like to realize like, oh yeah, I, I don't want to settle. I don't want to settle for second best um, of, oh yeah, I could just u- do university for a year or two, and but maybe I'll do something else. My dad's like, no, like what is it that God has put on your heart? You have to like follow those things. You have to go after it. And if it is school, go all in for school. Become a become the best there is. You know, do do what you can just to like be excellent and serve God in that excellence. So that's a little insight for you guys. Cause I, I don't know if you guys see that aspect of him maybe as much, but, um, yeah, so that was for me, I think I, I had to really choose to go in the opposite, like to swim against the stream in a way, because my friends all have graduated from college. Some have master's degree now. And I have had to tell myself like, Oh, well, if I did all these four or five years since high school, um, just so that I will be so secure. Oh gosh, it's seven years now since high school, actually. But so that I'll be so secure in where God has placed me when I'm 40. I will not be questioning it. I will not be second guessing it. That's what I tell myself that that's the reason it's worth it. So, um, then it became like a thing of, I, I did try out different things. I worked at an interior design firm. I tried out everything. And some people laugh. They're like, Catherine, have you tried just sitting still for a minute. You know, mom and dad always said, actually, like, Catherine, you're on one vacation and you're thinking of where to go next. And I'm like, I just want to better myself. I want to figure something out. I want to like try everything. And um, yeah, so I think I finally hit the point where I uh, almost like selfishly, I thought like I had to choose between 
almost like my flesh desires, so to speak, and I put air quotes there, but um, because I wouldn't want to call it that because I think God is in the midst of a lot of things, but uh, of wanting to do it, be an interior designer and then my like ministry dreams. like I couldn't be all in for God and all in for this other thing. And I remember trying something and I just thought, oh, this doesn't feel right, like to go in this direction and you know what? Like I need to feel better about my faith right now. It was almost in a selfish way, I think, but um, but God, of course, turns it back to Him always. So that's whenever I decided to start like um, doing some research, and I researched. Uh, I had a couple of friends close to me that had done YWAM, uh, Youth with a Mission DTS, a discipleship training school, and um, they were like, "Oh, this is the best thing ever! You get to focus on Jesus for three months, and then you go out into the world and you help people, you do mission work." And I was like you know what, that's probably what I need, you know, just to be a better uh, Christian, feel better and like feel like I'm back on track with God because I hadn't gone off track, but it felt like I was just, I lost my spark in a way. Um, And I remember I did research because that's the person I am. I wrote lists. I had a top 10 of the countries I was thinking of going to because YWAM has schools all over the world, uh, all over every continent, every nation. And um I made my top 10 and I remembered going to my dad and I was like, okay, I feel very good and at peace with all of these schools. You get to pick which one because I don't want to have to pick because <laughs> I hated deciding. And um, I remember he looked at me he's like, okay, I'm going to call a friend. Um, he's in YWAM. He's one of the school leaders uh, or a base leader, actually. He started one of the bases and I'll just see what if he knows anything about these schools and see what he recommends. So he gets off the phone with him eventually and says like, okay, I know which school you're supposed to go to. He told me and I was like, that wasn't one of my options. He's like, yeah, I know, but this is, I think this is the one. And I was like, oh, <laughs> well, I did ask you and I do like, I really trust my dad. I trust his heart for me and, um, and I trusted that decision. So I immediately applied and then he's like, oh, by the way, I am going to be speaking there actually. And I was like, oh my gosh, dad. Because a little thing on as well of being my dad's daughter is sometimes I would like to be known for just me, you know, not just for being known as my dad's daughter. So to be able to have a little separation of church and state, so to speak. But as I've gotten older and even in the past years, just realizing like how much of a blessing it actually is to be known as his daughter. But um, so yeah, after some time there. And then Nepal and India. Yeah, so after some time there, we went to um, Nepal and India, and um, I have had a dream of going to India since I was 18. I was in my senior year science class. It was environmental science. There was a video on the screen about pollution and recycling, and they showed a clip of India, and I saw a video, and there's a little glimpse of a girl and they said something about how the girls aren't valued well or there was something along those lines and I just started crying in my senior year science class and I was like oh no I'm supposed to adopt from India and just just even for the audience watching sometimes even in regard to connected to dreams I just wanted to be aware of your tears because it's often that can be connected to your dreams so i just want you to sometimes god just connects you may be watching something on the news but why did your heart get broken over it doesn't mean you maybe have to go to india or maybe you're supposed to sow in today or be part of it so i just want to throw that in being aware of your tears in this season continue catherine yeah and i i remembered what my dad said actually because he had told me that one time we were at a 
um, I think it was Voice of the Apostles one year, and I started crying about something that was happening in the moment. And he's like, yeah, this is because like what you cry over is what you have authority over and what God has placed on your heart. And I was like, well, that's no pressure at all. That's that's really easy to go into. Thank you. But it was actually like such a, I carry it with me everywhere I go now, that word. And so when I was sitting in that science class, I was like, oh no, like what I weep over, this is this is something, isn't it, God? Like this is something, isn't it? And um, so since I was 18, I knew I was supposed to go. And when I came to my DTS, you get to choose which uh, outreach location you go on. You get to write down um, your, like, if you've prayed and you feel like you feel one in particular. And then the leadership will actually pray over it and, um, yeah, just talk to God about it and decide as well. And I remembered thinking, I don't want to tell them that this has been a dream in the making. (laughs) You know, like, it's been uh, four years and counting that I've had this dream. And I was like, no, if this is God, then he's going to orchestrate it. And um, I ended up getting chosen to be on the uh, Southeast Asia team, and um, which they had to have a smaller team for security reasons and different things like that. And I was so grateful and so excited and also terrified in a way. Um, but I got to go, and I remembered thinking leading up to I don't think I realized actually the weight of the trip. Um, we were filling out visa applications, and they would ask, like, uh, for this area of Southeast Asia, they ask, like, what is your dad's job occupation? And what is your, and um, there's a lot of things with things going on in Asia that it's very tricky for um, my dad to travel around in some places maybe. Uh, but basically, just to say that I started thinking, I'm like, oh, there's actually something more to this. You know, my my dad is called to the Muslim world and I have... Over time, I've always felt called to the Muslim world because I think that's part of my like my legacy or my inheritance, even in the spiritual, is part of what he's done in the Muslim world, and I'm just like so excited for that. And then I realize I'm like, if I go to this place that is a majority Hindu population, and there's still stuff going on there, and I started realizing I'm like, oh, there's something more to this actually. And I started like I remember would call my dad, and I'm like do you think this is actually a good idea? Like, maybe I shouldn't go. Like, maybe I should actually go to, like, one of the more chill uh, mission trips. And, um, and you know, he's just like, no, this is what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to do it. And, um, like, talking to him and my mom, I was so nervous. And um, and then upon going, I realized there was so much more to it than I thought. I thought, oh, I just get to go because I've had a heart for the young girls there or for the people there. And then I started realizing that there is that God actually does work much bigger than we think. And And what were some of the highlights of Nepal and India? What did it do to your heart? Yeah. um, So one of the things that was just so powerful for me was I never thought of myself as a missionary because I thought it was like it had to look a certain way. You have to sell everything. You have to move to the place. You have to live there for at least 20 years to be a like missionary missionary. And then I thought like, oh, there are people like my dad who they do mission work, but it's a, it's a different way. And then it's just one parent or it's, so I always had a kind of closed view of what it looked like. And I remembered thinking, um, oh, how could God use my giftings in this? And I remembered I had some people I connected with and they just said something like, oh, you know, because I had gotten a word for them and it turns out that that was spot on apparently. Like they had, it was about a cafe and um, I was like, I feel like God's calling you guys to open a cafe maybe for part of your your work. And um, 
uh, something along those lines. And basically, I uh, it was confirmed that that was something they considered. But uh, I then they said, like, what if you did, like, the interior design? And that was something I was passionate about. Then God started showing me how it could be, like, I could go to a place and pour in, help pioneer something, and then also come home to my family, maybe, or wherever that is. Um, that was one thing that was super cool. And uh, even just, like, uh, I think one of the highlights really was we were at a worship festival for the Hindu gods one night. And we were in the holy city. Which one is that? Which, the city? Uh, uh, Varanasi. Varanasi, yeah. Yeah, so we were in the holy city. And um, I... I had gotten, like, we were doing treasure hunts, so we were wanting to see, like, okay, God highlight some people to us. And I had gotten a picture of a woman. It was very detailed. And it ended up, I was like, oh, I'm not going to find this. This is way too detailed. And we used to do this when we were kids. So I'm familiar with how it worked of, like, oh, I yeah, maybe I'll see her, maybe I won't. And that was six hours before. And then I see this woman. And I was like, oh, no, I have to pray for her. I don't. I And I had done it before, but I did it in a mall in Georgia, not in you know, in Southeast Asia at a Hindu worship festival where it is not okay to, like, it's it's a little more on edge, basically. And um, I remembered hearing God say, like, she has pain in her back. And I was like, oh, no, like, I have to be specific, don't I? Like, um, and I asked God for a sign that I needed to go pray for her. And my translator said, I think we're supposed to go pray for people. So I went up to her and um I asked her, like, hi, I believe in Jesus, and I believe that he speaks to us, and I believe that he spoke to me about you, and um, that he wanted me to come and talk to you. Uh, do you actually have any pain in your back? And she said, yeah, I do. And, and what she didn't realize was I had also gotten a vis- like a picture. It was almost like her left shoulder was highlighted in my uh, mind's eye. And I was like, oh, it's her left shoulder, actually, and she can't lift her arm. But I didn't say that because I was like, that's way too much information. She's going to freak out. And she's like, yeah, I do. It's actually my left shoulder. And I was like, oh, gotcha. And my translator is freaking out. He's 16 or 17. And he was like, oh, my gosh, this is so exciting. I was like, play it cool, play it cool. And um, I asked her, I was like, you can't lift your arm, can you? She's like, no, I can't. And um, after a little bit of back and forth, we convinced her to let us bless her and pray for her because she was nervous she would have to pay us, which we were like, no, freely freely he gives. We do not ask for anything in return. He just loves you that much. And she got healed. And I think in that moment, I just was like, I just want to do whatever he wants me to do. If he wants me to talk to someone, I want to talk to them. If he wants me to go to these different places, I want to do it. Um, however, I can show the love of Jesus. That's what I wanted and to I do. I think it's a very important lesson even to see that you cannot go on somebody else's encounters. You need to have your encounters to knowing. Uh, so, I mean, it, there's not enough for parents even just to teach your kids about that God is my provider, he's my healer, but for them to experience God as their healer, as a provider. And those encounters when you go through difficulties is very keys that's going to help you later on in life because you can build memory stones around it. The same God who did it at that time, but he's going to do it again no matter what you face. So I thought that was very good. I wanted to talk just a couple of minutes about you are now leading and part of the leadership 
of a DTS. Tell us about that DTS because I have said yes again to come and speak and go to Norway in the winter season when I don't like cold weather any longer. So if there's anybody out there that would like to invest a little time to come to the most beautiful place in the world, it's a gorgeous setting by the ocean in southern part of Norway. And But tell me about that DTS and for people out here, how can they pray for you? Even maybe somebody wants to sow into what you're doing or that there's people out there, but because I do, uh, I do support my daughter here, and I know many of you that uh, that are blessing Catherine. If you know who she is, I want to thank some of you that was also part of that India trip and blessed her with that. And if anybody else sends that, do you want to pray or give? Just contact the office and just put Catherine in there. But Catherine, tell us about that DTS in case there's somebody here. It could be one or two people that need a mission virus, and they're <laughs> going to find their purpose and passion and power as they are joining in this beautiful adventure by going to Norway in winter season. <laughs> Yes, so that was uh, very good. Wow. I mean, my gosh. I, yeah, I decided to staff just because of how much the DTS really did change my life. I was like, I have to give back to this base because of how much it did for me. And um, so I started staffing this past year, and it was absolutely beautiful to get to walk with people in their journey of. Um, what it means to be a disciple of Jesus in current day uh, Christianity, what it means to actually go out and as young women to go out and as young men to go out and what it looks like different in different um, cultures to go out. And um, they shared with us that they wanted to start a new DTS because we already have our Destiny DTS in the fall. And um, they were wanting to start a new one and they hadn't named it or anything. But the minute that they mentioned it, God just reminded me of this like fire for pioneering things. And I was like, oh my gosh, I have to be a part of this. Um, after some back and forth with God, I I decided for sure I was all in for that. And just their heart for, because um, our base is just such a wonderful place and they have a heart for worship, a heart for connection, a heart for uh, generations, for family, community, and a heart for the unreached, which YOM in general has a heart for the unreached, m- making sure that everyone on this earth knows who Jesus is and knows the power of Jesus. And um, so with Revive, they have this, uh, we have a thing with a a torch. So we want for people to be lit on fire and to be the people, the beacons of light that walk ahead and uh, pave the way for those following behind. And it's this thing of activation. It's, um, you know, we have the Destiny DTS and it has its own flavor. And then the Revive, we have this thing of like, we want for people to It's the same teaching. uh, DTS has a curriculum that we follow, but we have a different way of doing it. So we have like we have teaching and then we have activation days. So we have people we want to engage with them. We want them to feel um, the family atmosphere. We want them to be able to apply the teaching right after they hear it. So it is like if we talk about Holy Spirit Week, awesome, we're doing some activation that day after. (laughs) You know, if we're talking about evangelism, sweet, we're going out into the town the day after. So that's how it will kind of look for us. And um, yeah, I think it's just one of those things, my heart for anyone listening to this is more so just that you will be, I honestly, if you're looking for a sign to go and to do something new, to do it. This is your sign. You don't have to wait anymore. You don't have to wait for an elephant to walk into the room. But this is your moment to grab a hold of what God is doing in your life and say, I'm, I'm ready to make the change. I'm ready to put in the hard work. Um, I will not give you anything that does not require a sacrifice. Uh, 
that is not a requiring a sacrifice for me. Like I will not sacrifice something that does not cost me something. Second Samuel 24, 24. So figuring out what is your sacrifice. If it is joining us in YWAM, Youth with a Mission, we have exciting things coming up with the SEND next year. And, um, but we also, you can go and do another ministry school. But what I want for you is actually just to be equipped and feel like I need to do what God has put on my heart. There's no more waiting. There's no more second guessing. You don't need resources. God provides them along the way. What age? What age? Yeah. So for DTS, normally it's um, 18 through your 20s. But we actually have an opportunity at our school with the Destiny DTS is more generational. So any age is welcome in that DTS. But with the Revive, it is more... 18 through the 20s. Um, But really, we're welcoming everyone. We want people to be equipped. We want them to go out and do what God wants them to do, you know? And what is the website? How can people connect? Yeah, if you want to connect with us, uh, we have our website is uh, ywamchristianson.no. And we can put that in the uh, show notes afterwards uh, because it's a little bit hard to (laughs) maybe write down quickly. Um, And then you can also email us. You can follow us on our Instagram, ywamchristianson.no. Message us. Uh, I help with the media there. So you would actually probably be talking to me or one of my close friends uh, when you're DMing us. And we would love to answer any questions. Or if you have any questions for me personally, you can um, reach out. If you have a heart for missions, you're in your 20s, or if you're in your 50s and you're just like, I just wanted to talk to someone, I'm here for you. Let's chat. So excited. <laughs> I'm at least excited to have my daughter at home. And uh, we have a few more weeks together to hang out here and uh, do life together. And then she's going to go back to Norway. And it gives me a good excuse to go back to Norway, having my daughter there. So if you're out there, let me just pray for you right now, because I know we're running out of time. But I do sensing that, that there is a destiny over each person's life. And I love when I'm seeing like my daughter, Catherine, when you, you can see somebody, they're going through a heart journey and they are finding themselves, they're finding their purpose, finding their passion. And for some people, they wait too late in life before it happens, but it's never too late. You have a story that needs to be told and that needs to be connected to God's big story. So Father, I just thank you so much for every single person that are listening today. I just ask that just for a few moments that you will just be still and know that he is God. And I'm releasing a special anointing for this season, for you to be able to, out of your identity, stepping into your destiny, your uniqueness, and even ask Papa God, Papa, what is the purpose why you created me? What what is my purpose here in life? And how can I rise and shine so that my light has come and to be able to be a difference maker. So I bless you wherever you are to start where you are. And then at the same time, enjoy the journey. Enjoy the valleys. Enjoy the mountains. Enjoy the journey towards your destiny. I bless you to be you. Son and daughter with a dove, it changes everything. So Holy, Holy Spirit, just come and rest upon us right now. And I'm asking also for this fire that Catherine was talking about. Father, I just ask that you will just start to release a fresh fire in this season. Revive us again with a fire from heaven that makes us burn brightly without burning out. So I just release, even at this moment, you can sensing that you're going to, I know we've gone through a COVID season, but what fire does, it makes life. 
light. And that's what you're seeing. And the people that have oil on the lamps because you're burning oil of intimacy with your lover. So that's when the spark hits the oil and you start to become one of the burning ones. Let that be contagious in every home, in every classroom, wherever you're at. I just ask that we're going to be light to change this darkness by being light, burning love. I just bless that. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Thank you so much. Send some comments. Give us, uh, if there is one thing that God spoke to you today, share that with us. We look forward to hear from you. Love you and look forward to talk to you next time. God bless you. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can follow Leif on social media at Leif Hetland and sign up for our weekly newsletter at globalmissionawareness.com.